It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. Really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? I'm super fantastic. Super it fantastic. It is a gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful day in Boston. You know, I'm still trying to get used to this 80 degrees on Saturday, 50 degrees on Sunday weather. We don't have that in California. We try to stay within this very narrow band. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a very narrow band of comfort. 50 <laughs> to 80 is pushing it for me, but not so bad. Wait, you're okay at 50? You're, you're okay in that range? Yes, but okay. that's pushing it for me. Okay. So and like, within a day, within 24 hours. True. So what you need to do is you need to move to San Diego, my, <gasps> my other location, where it's a yeah, perfect okay. 72 all year round. Okay. I hope my CEO is not listening because I don't think, or the board, that would not go over well. <laughs> God, that's a 10-hour time difference from Tel Aviv. That's why I had to leave California too far yeah. away. Yeah. But hey. Okay. Let's keep that a secret. All right. Don't tell anybody. Bridges moving right. to San Diego. Beautiful weather, though. It's like the Tel Aviv weather. So they, they would appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So what's new? Anything since the last time we spoke? Oh, Andy, let me tell you what's on my mind. All right. Let's, let's All right, get into it. And this is not going to be like a therapy session. So oh, well, everybody who's about shoot. to click out and say, I, just, uh, I, just, I don't really want to hear that. No, I was taking out my pad. I was going to I know. Take, okay. Take I'm going to lay on the couch. Right. Lay on the couch. And right. late, Metaphorically. Um, Metaphorically. So hiring, I know we've talked about this before, but can we talk about it again? Sure. I mean, you were just, we just talked about last, last time. <laughs> we talked some about hiring and, well, we talked. We talk about it some more. We talked about interviewing. So, but yeah. All right. Let's talk about some more. So here's what I bump up against. And so I'm, I'm going to give you the manager perspective. And again, I'm, I'm always interested to hear as well. On the other side, because I, I want to understand that as well, that I interview a lot. I interview a lot of reps, and I see on their LinkedIn profiles, and I see uh, their resumes, good success, 110%, you know, President's Club. I see lots of, lots of great success. And I also know, Andy, that success in one company does not necessarily mean success in another company. Correct. And how do you how do you test for that for success at the company where you are? And I'll give you one more caveat. Mm-hmm. It's, I meet people who've had, uh, or they tell me, lots of sales training, lots of training, lots of you know programs they've gone through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this method or that method. And as part of the uh, hiring process, we do have 
either we're changing it up a bit. Um, we've moved from really wanting them to do a presentation because I don't expect them to have domain knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's really a discovery call. Being a, just having a good, solid first call with a prospect. And oftentimes in that discovery call, Andy, I don't see any evidence of sales training. And yet they've been successful and I don't think they're lying. Well, and I'm befuddled. I'm confused <laughs> and befuddled. Well, you know what the problem is? I want to hear. No. Well, the problem is, you know, you're listening to somebody do a discovery call or or some sort of initial call, and you're not the customer. So the perspective you're viewing that from is is necessarily skewed. And so this is this is, I think, a problem when you have people do this type of audition type work, is that there's nobody that can listen to it like a customer. So you're wondering, well, gosh, this guy's not very, take an example of one that you may have heard today or recently is, you know, this person's not very polished. You know, I don't, I don't think that's very good, but yet he's got this track record of success. Well, maybe that's because the customers think it's good. Maybe he builds a rapport with the customer and, and, you know, starts building that connection that leads to trust and credibility, but just does it differently than what you're expecting. So it's, it's, it's really hard to put yourself in a position where you're the position of the customer because you've got so many filters and sort of your own you know, personal biases, right, um, that are at a play that you can't objectively look at it and measure it. So I, to me, those things, those things have limited, limited value. And uh, Andy, you're killing me right now. <laughs> you're killing me. And part of the reason you're killing me is because... I'm right. I think what you're saying, kind of, kind of, kind of. I hate that. So, so now, okay, so okay, well, good. So, you can't so, just leave me here, right? So, you know, there was an article in the New York Times. Uh, I don't know within the last couple of months, and written by this professor from Yale. I was I was looking at it while you're asking the question earlier, and I haven't found it yet, but I <laughs> I won't spend time while we're recording. No, but to you'll do send it, it but to me. But you'll I'll send it to you. Okay. But the title of the article was "The Utter Uselessness of Job Interviews." Uh-oh. 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 Mayday, mayday, mayday. Okay. <laughs> mayday, mayday. So, what the, the thesis was is based on research that this professor and, and her team has, had done, and I think various other people researchers had done as well, is that job interviews, job interviews as a predictor of future success are pretty poor. And what they found through several studies were, and they did this with... Um, at least one of the studies were with students interviewing to our positions in medical school. And they had two groups of people that would interview candidates. And one group would see the, the, the candidates' um, you know, undergraduate transcript and the things, extracurricular activities they had done, as well as do a, a, an interview with them. And then the other group just looked at the transcript and... Uh, you know, the extracurriculars, you know, their, their written record and made a judgment based just on that. And what they found is that the group that just looked at the record and the GPA and, and so on more accurately predicted success in medical school than the people that interviewed the candidates. And there was, I think, another study of the reference that, that was, actually took place in the workplace. 
and so one of the underlying themes there was that this whole idea is that you know we bring our own biases to these interviews that that actually yeah make make us less perceptive perhaps or less able to predict accurately how people perform on the job and i think i've referred to before i mean I remember one client worked with for a long time who yeah he just looked at gpa and he didn't care how long ago somebody had been in school to him it was gpa and Andy. and he was he hired very smart people and very talented people yeah, no one gets it 100% right, but his method worked at least as well as any other method of any other CEO or hiring manager that I've ever worked with or that I've used myself. Okay, here's what I want to say to you right now. Mm-hmm. I'm angry at you. Okay, I just need to be honest. How long have I known you? How long have we known each other? <laughs> oh, I don't know. How long? How many episodes have we had? Oh, gosh, this is, this is probably 82, I think. The Why four- haven't you told me this? I'm hiring all the time. And now, after all this time, now you tell me that the way I'm doing it is useless. Do you know how much time I spend? Do you know how much time you could save me, Andy, by having told... Okay, so what do I do? So... This is so helpful. If you've got an answer for me... So, I I would always do a couple things. One is, is, A, I'd always give them an assessment of some sort. And B, I would come up with some way to test their knowledge uh, that's relevant to what. Well, that's what, what you I'm need. asking. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. So, and those are the two things I do to start with. I, I probably wouldn't give up interviews myself right away, but I would do it, especially after reading this article and, and some other things that are fairly similar. Is I would be more skeptical of my own ability to judge, right? That I would be give greater weight. To, and I almost hate myself for saying this because I'm not a huge fan of, well, I should say I'm not a huge fan of assessments. I, I think assessments tend to be oversold by the people that sell them, but, but they are a valuable tool. And I would use that as, as a data point and give at least equal weighting, if not slightly more weighting, to your data points, person's background. And like, for instance, and I've written about this in the past, and I, this is absolutely true, is if if somebody because the data points are so important is if somebody has a data point on their resume, they have to be able to substantiate that. And if they can't substantiate it, then you have to assume it's not true. So if I'm looking at a resume and somebody says, "Yeah, I made President's Club," I want to know who can I talk to to validate that. They were said I was 120 percent of quota. Who can I talk to that's going to validate and verify that you did that? Because if okay. I can't, if I can't, it's it's useless to me. I can't trust that data. Okay, okay, okay. Let's back up here. Okay, do an assessment. Mm-hmm. I'm breaking this into its parts. Do an assessment. Okay, got and, it. And there, Check. Yeah, there are tons of good tools out there. They're, obviously, they're, the tools are oversold, right? They can't all be as correlative to success as the makers of the assessment say, because if that's the case, <laughs> every company that used it would have 100% of their people that they hire make quota. And that obviously doesn't happen. So, but they are they are useful though, right? So, but you have to use it for what it is. It's a data point that's giving you information that isn't something that you've come up with, but something that's you know it's a byproduct of hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that have taken these tests. So it gives you some you know a data point that you can use to sort of predictor. And then you obviously want to look at 
past record. I, I think the client I worked with that, that uh, relied on GPA, I think it's a brilliant tool. And too often overlooked because we assume, oh, that was 10 years ago. What does that matter? It matters. You know, people don't change that much, right? So, yeah, it matters. You have a choice between two people and they're relatively similar. And you look back, even though they've been out in the workforce for 10 years, and you look back and one was a 3.8 and the other was a 2.4. Are the 3.8. So look at the data okay. points. And then, okay. you know, and I've written about this as, you know, take the, the approach that President Reagan talked about with uh, the Russians and Soviets when we were uh, <laughs> negotiating nuclear arms uh-huh. treaties. Uh-huh. He said, we're going yeah. tru- to trust but verify. And you know, I think interviews are no interviews are not the place for trust. Yeah, I'd, I'm interviewing someone. I'm not trusting them. I mean, I, I'm gonna if there's something on the resume that's a factual point that they're sticking staking the ground, saying this is who I am. They need to be able to give me a data point or a source that can verify that data. It's fascinating. Okay, so let's let's turn the table a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm somebody who's interviewing for a job. Mm-hmm. How do I? How do? What do I do? Your the interview doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I know, and I'm real. I'm putting words into your sure, mouth, but 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 the way that that yeah, you know, the way that people can I don't say turn the table as you just said, but is you have to look at interviews. If you're interviewing for a job, you have to look at it as you're doing a discovery call. So when you look at the the you know the balance of sort of questions versus answers and so on, is you shouldn't be sitting there waiting for somebody to ask you a question. You want to take the initiative and ask them questions as much as you possibly can. And and sometimes it's you almost find this little sort of competition going on with someone a candidate really wanting to control the discussion by asking good questions. And I've seen you know, hiring managers sort of get frustrated by this because they've got their list of what are your strengths and weaknesses and all these other you know scripted questions. And and you know those are kind of useless. So as a candidate, it's a discovery call. And you have to think about it that way. On the other hand, there's a sort of you know, countervailing pressure is you want to be able to ask some questions as a potential employer. And one of the strong recommendations that I think is, was brilliant coming out of, out of this article and this professor from Yale was to say, look, you know, one of the ways you create, turn your interviews into data points is to make sure that everybody asks the exact same questions. So everybody that talks to a candidate asks the same questions. That's part of your process. And so then right. you suddenly you then have a basis of comparison, real comparison, as opposed to what happens now is you bring a candidate in and five or six people talk to them. They all ask their own questions and they all have these differing opinions based on, well, you know, they asked one question, they didn't ask another question. I didn't think they were strong in this. I didn't think they were strong. And they're all over the map as opposed to saying, look, if we have 10 questions or five questions, whatever it is that every person involved in the interview process asks the candidate, then suddenly you're, you're building a data set. Well, I, so one maybe slight modification I would make to that is you want to make sure that every candidate gets asked the same questions. But I think it is tiring for someone who's being interviewed. You have five people interview you and they ha- ask you the same five questions. 
Why do you care? I do care. No, I mean, but I mean, I do yeah, care. So it's tiring for the candidate. So what, you're you're doing. You're I do inter- care. You're interviewing them for yourself. Yeah, but but I but I think I'm also, I, I'm also interviewing them, and they're interviewing us, and I think giving them an exp- that to me is not a good candidate experience, and I'm selling them as much of, as they are selling me, and maybe I just need to think about it differently. Well, that's that, that's the problem right there. Well, I'm realizing there's a lot of problems right now, given <laughs> based on this conversation. This may be whatever number episode this is, and this may be the last one. This may just be the end. Andy, tip yeah, Bridget and, over the edge, and, episode eighty-two. And, and you know what? And thanks you know for joining what? us. I've done it both ways. I've done it both ways, and I've done it where everybody asked the same questions, but we didn't stick with it, and maybe that was a problem. Well, because then you're not building your data set, right? I mean, it's, it's... No, 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 but we're still building a data set, but we're building a data set across a set of questions, the data set across candidates, not the data set across interviewers. Mm, yeah, true. So we're still build, building a data set, um, but it's just you, what what you're describing is building a data set that's... Um, Making sure that the different people who are interviewing, that there's not the variation there. And I'm talking about we just we just make sure there's not variation across the questions that are asked candidate to candidate to candidate. Right. Well, I was sort of reacting earlier, as you were, to you were to this idea that the interview is as much a recruitment as it is. Yeah. And and that's problematic. Because as, soon as you, because as soon as you fall into the sales mode, you're basically saying, yeah, we want this person. And so you're not creating the sort of distance you need to dispassionately to the degree you can be. And again, we all understand decisions are driven primarily by emotion or initially by emotion. Is You still have to take steps to try to take the emotion out of it. And you know, to the degree that you think you're selling... Yeah, you're operating at cross purposes to yourself. This is definitely our last one. <laughs> I want everybody to know that now. It's over. It's been a good friendship. But is that now, over too? <laughs> you've really crossed the line here. As much as I claim to be open and I want to learn, not yeah, yeah, so much. Not, not so much. No, I'm I'm so glad we had this conversation, honestly, even because it's making me think about it really differently. And I want to I, I want to hire the right people for the company and the role at this time. And so I want to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And however else, however, whatever I need to do to be good at, it, if it needs, if I need to be less emotionally invested, if I need to stop doing the discovery call interviews, which I'd be delighted to stop, by the way, I, I I, like I'm, I'm all about it. So I'm so, I think we need to have another, as much as I said, this is the last one. Okay. We'll do one more <laughs> is just to really explore it. I think this is, I, I don't think I'm alone in hiring to, to really want to think about what are the best ways for me to do it. And what you and I've been discussing, primarily you is challenging the way that many of us have been doing it. I haven't been challenging. I've been defending. Yeah, and I and I've, I am as guilty as anybody of of the sins of of hiring. And 
Yeah, it's it. <laughs> some of this, like this new article, the one we talked about, really sort of opened my eyes, as well as the work I'd done with a client. I'd, I'd sort of, I'd always thought the client was just a little too out there with his reliance on the GPA thing. But then, you know, having read that article recently in the Times, and it was like, hmm, you know, he had a method there that for him was hugely successful that I thought was nuts, quite frankly. But it worked for him. And it worked as well as, as the alternative. And I think that's what we have to sort of compare things to is, is we're taking extreme and say, look, Bridget, right, you've just been given budget to hire three more reps. But you can only hire them based on their GPA. Okay. And, and no interview. You're just going to look at their, look at their transcripts and hire them based on their GPA. And the question would be, would the outcome for you in terms of their performance, how well they performed, how well they integrated with the organization, would it be different than those candidates that you've taken through the whole interview process? And there's, you know, some contention to say, look, that variance probably is not as big as we think. And the risk is probably smaller than we think. God, fascinating. That's a, that's a hard one for me to wrap my little head around. And, Andy, as I told you, do you, you know where I'm going right now? I'm going to an interview. <laughs> You're going to interview somebody I'm going else. to interview somebody. So this is timely. So this is timely. What I just have done is I've saved you a ton of time because you're going to walk in and say, what's your GPA in college? No, I, you know and, what? And you say, well, okay, I don't think so, but thanks. No, honest to God, I'm, I'm actually going to do that. <laughs> okay, so stay tuned because I will tuned. have one more. I'll have one more. I'll have one more with you. That's well, it. One, oh, jeez. Thank you. Gosh. I know. I know. Maybe you shouldn't be so thankful. You, maybe you were trying to do this and figuring maybe this will be the last one. Well, but hey, let's remember. Let's remind the people listening. This was your question that you asked. <laughs> it wasn't mine. I wasn't looking for trouble. Ah, oh, darn. You're right. right. You're right. You're, You're right. right. So you, okay. can't, you can't get out of your contract that easily. Ah, darn. Darn. So I thought I was going to have to talk to your agent for a second, but it sounds like we're good. <laughs> Yes, we're good. Right. One, we're good for one more. <laughs> well, at least one more. Okay, good. I think we're going to make it to 83. Everybody on the show, you heard that. Uh, make sure you join us again next Friday because we have to let Bridget go so she can scamper off to her interview. Interview, which, which, which is now worthless. Right. I want I want an email report when you're done. All and right. um, maybe we'll talk about this next week on Frontline Friday. So again, thank you, Bridget, as always. Even though you spent most I don't episode feel so of, thankful, but whatever. Well, you spent most episode abusing me, right? And uh-huh. friends, thank you for joining us again. As always, we will be back here next Friday, whether she wants to be or not. We'll <laughs> that's right. I'll <laughs> let you know how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes. We'll we'll bring in the authorities and drag her to the microphone. And uh, thanks for joining us and again. Join us every day of the week for Accelerate Sundays. Don't forget Accelerate Espresso, our weekly roundup show. Uh, we just sent. Gosh, I think we've been six episodes, seven episodes in now, and and the audience is just just loving it. Uh, we do a little two minute clips from every episode we did during the week, and for those who can't listen to every episode, great way to catch up. So make sure you check that out, Bridget. I know you got to run. Thank you, friends. Talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Andy. Take care. 